Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dudley boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay per views. We have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on wrestle culture as I said though joined by michael Zubik. and sir we are gathered here we are socially distanced here today for now at least to talk about well major aew tv developments it's been quite the week for all elite wrestling hasn't it uh absolutely which is strange because it was kind of i wouldn't call it a subdued dynamite but yeah. it was very much a seller pay-per-view dynamite without like lighting any fuses like the it was good, not great. wasn't particularly designed to be great because they want to inform that which is going to be great at the upcoming pay-per-view. So on a week where Dynamite was what it was, a set-up show, um, yeah, this is absolutely major news. Major news. Um, I've looked at it, and I've looked at all of it objectively, and I can't possibly fathom how it can be seen as anything other than a huge show of faith mm. from the network. Um, apparently TNT has got like a sexier appeal as a channel uh, largely due to the fact that they carry the NBA Mm -hmm. but TBS is available in like fractionally more homes they have better lead-ins basically they just need to do a blow away dynamite which they obviously would they're not stupid they are the clever wrestling company so they are basically getting more money to get on a exact same time slot which means they won't be preempted by sports which is going to happen quite a bit over the next month yeah. so it'll be more stability for the exact same exposure with the minor inconvenience and a very temporary short-lived one at that of moving channels but if you don't think they're going to do an absolutely enormous show the very first week that they do that then that should be able to get them to effectively migrate their audience into doing something so drastically difficult as pressing down a few times on their remote when they <laughs> get the channel wrong and realize, oh, where's Dynamite? So as I'm interpreting it as a totally lateral move. Um, there are certain connotations, I guess, maybe the word surrounding TBS that TNT doesn't have. I'm not a yank. don't really know, but it's virtually a lateral move that if it doesn't have the same sex appeal, I'm corporate tv channel have a sex appeal but you know what i mean that's apparently the crack that might undo them i just think it's a little bollocks lateral move slightly more homes it's basically just 
you have to press down a couple of times on the remote and have to be reminded to do that with a show that you won't want to miss. Mm. And they're getting considerably more money to do this because it was written in their contract. You have that slot. You are contractually, that slot contractually is yours. We can't really take it away from you unless we negotiate. And they negotiate and went, right, okay, we'll have a nice little tidy sum of money to do that. For me, it just seems like it's money for nothing paid to them by a big conglomerate that is tremendously happy with their numbers. This extra bit of money, of course, could go towards a big hot free agent signing. Who the hell knows? It will certainly allow them to um, negotiate with the talent that might be up for contracts. I think Chris Jericho's in a contract here, actually, incidentally. Mm. Um, They have more of a stronger negotiating hand. As to the talent, the talent knows that they have more money. That can't not be good. We want the wrestlers who put their bodies through hell to get paid as much money as possible. So it's good for them. They, if the, the smart ones will be thinking, all right, okay, I can probably get an extra zero, or I can at least get like a hundred thousand dollars or more the next time I resign because I know that you've got the money. So it's a good move for the industry all around and the people who like AEW, the people who produce AEW, and indeed, if they're smart enough, that is the people who work for AEW. Yeah, you mentioned it. Massive news, obviously, uh, in a week where it's slightly disappointing figures for Dynamite, countered by the fact they were up against the big NBA games, what was what I've been reading about. Um, but if anyone who's yeah pessimistic about the way that the TV channel is perceiving All Elite Wrestling, an eight-figure payday, like you say, you know, partially for the inconvenience of moving channels, but also, you know, also a reward for, like you say, exceeding expectations. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say money's no object for AEW, but money isn't tight for, for that organization. But at the same time, it's all well and good just spending and spending someone else's money, but proving that, you know, we don't know what it is, whether it's 10 million or 99 million, but they're all eight figure numbers, proving that they, that, that the TV, and we've talked about this with WWE, you know, TV money is, is the big, big money nowadays. It's a hell of an achievement for an organization that's, I'd still, I don't want to patronize it, but it still says relatively fledgling organization compared to, you know, other companies out there. It's incredible what they've been able to achieve over the past 18, 18 months to two years. Yeah, absolutely. I keep going back to that 500,000 overall viewership number that TNT initially said they would be delighted with as a starting point. They never started at that. They started at 1.4 naturally. Some people are just going to think, oh, no, it's not for me, this. So it's stabilized in a number. Um, but they've got number one on cable recently. Um, they are consistently in the top five or ten. Like, they are very well liked by Warner Media. All you have to do is look at the sheer amount of bloodshed on this show to realize, hang on, they can virtually get away with whatever they like um, within reason. And they will mm. always exercise that reason. They don't want to do schlocky stuff for the sake of it or like awful controversy driven angles like they want to do good wrestling they just want it to be like undiluted bloody pro wrestling and the fact that it's happening on cable tv is still quite nuts particularly when you see the the sheer like buckets that were dropped by cash wheeler and Britt baker of late Mm. uh sheer violence that you sometimes see on that show like they're not doing that because it's not popular they wouldn't be able to do that if they didn't have like the the leverage with which to do it so yeah they're ecstatic with it if you're an AEW fan, my TLDR succinct take is that you should be delighted with this. And moreover, 
they are quietly building a gigantic content library if you factor in dark and dark elevation. The more they produce this content, and I don't know how it fits in, fingers crossed, a more post-pandemic world um, because they won't be taking, won't be flying around that many independent talents mm. to the actual touring tapings and live shows. I just can't see that being feasible at all. So that will change, but they're building up a content library and what they're doing with getting more money to do this and having an increased presence on this network is that when the deal runs out and they are going to negotiate it, other properties are going to be sniffing around it, looking at how lucrative WWE's brand is, looking at how newly lucrative this AEW brand is, and they probably will get interest expressed in AEW by competing networks, which will drive up the price with TNT, which I presume will want to stay with TNT, TBS, Warner, whatever. So it's not just a good boon in the short and medium term, but if you look at it in the long run at the big picture, like they are just adding value upon value to this brand to the point where they can get... The, the deal was when they did that 174 million, it was like, well, that's great because they've got an actual rights fee, which is the first time a rights fee of that number had been awarded to any promotion not named WWE. But realistically, given how valuable it is, how often it's in the top five, looking how they are sort of at one point were breathing down the neck of those raw demos, have TNT, Warner, like vastly underpaid at 174 million, mm. you know, Come 2023 or 2024, I can't remember the year, when it comes to actually renegotiate, that would be the first thing I would say. Get us close to Raw. We're close enough to it in uh, the rankings, so give us loads more money. Um, I want to talk more, obviously, about Rampage. Uh, we've been speculating about this extra show. Uh, we'll talk about that in due course. Before we get there, though, uh, we mentioned, obviously, that both Dynamite and Rampage will be moving from TNT to TBS in 2022. Uh, but also, we are getting four AEW Supercard specials on TNT. How are you feeling about them? Good. Good. It's clarification that they are not going to go for WWE's one pay-per-view a month model mm. because these TNT specials, even though they will have ad breaks, they will essentially function as um, pay-per-views in that they'll have big matches and a lot of the TV on TBS will serve to build those big matches on TNT. So in terms of how the storyline, storytelling framework goes, these are virtually synonymous with pay-per-views. So they have four big four pay-per-views, these additional four, and that is basically an eight pay-per-view model, except they're not pay-per-views, but you know. So I still think that that yields the same kind of storytelling model that AEW goes for, because we've talked in the past about how there are four AEW pay-per-views, but they also have destination shows like Fight for the Fall and Fighter Fest. Um They've had some rubbishly named, like New Year's Smash. Like these are heavily generic, right? And we'll get to why it's a good thing that they are going to TNT imminently. St. Patrick's Day Slam was like, Jesus Christ. Hmm. They obviously had Baker versus Rosa, which is a pay-per-view caliber match, but nothing else on the show gave it that flavor of, oh, you haven't just, you've just tacked a name on Dynamite. It doesn't feel like a pay-per-view. You've just realized, oh, today we could probably spin this into a title. 
a name for the show and have it headlined by a pay-per-view caliber match. But I don't think it got that strong a rating compared to others they've generated this year because it didn't resonate as a special. Yeah. It just didn't. Um, but they've still built towards these things. Fighter Fest in particular, the build functioned last year like a pay-per-view almost, but like on a B-level, obviously. Um, so if there are any listeners out there who are a little bit concerned that these TNT specials might dilute those special vibes you get ahead of a big four AEW pay-per-view because they're so great at building long-term stories that legitimately on the week of these big four pay-per-view shows, um, what's going to happen is you get absolutely ramped up with excitement because they build them so well. If there's four more on top of that, you think, well, how can you possibly maintain that feeling considering they're so elusive? That's part of um, their appeal. They are enriched through the TV. They feel like they're ages away. I don't think that's going to change much, that feeling um, among the fandom with the introduction of these four, because essentially between the two-night Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen last year and Beach Break to an extent, they've essentially been doing this kind of thing just under different and, in my opinion, quite lame banners. Um, But these four specials, they filed a trademark for Battle of the Belts back in January. I think we even did a podcast on it, and I'll probably echo the same points I made on there. Battle of the Belts... It's got the alliteration. It's got a sort of quasi Clash of the Champions mm. inspiration. It's basically Clash of the Champions is a synonym of Battle of the Belts and vice versa. And there's a litter of quality. You know what they're doing. They're basically doing Clash is what they're doing. And these Clash battles, whatever you want to call them, are going to be B-level pay-per-views. It's the exact kind of thing Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage could headline. Yes. Where like, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley probably wouldn't, or Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page possibly wouldn't. Um, the first thing I would do would be to build to a world title switch on the very first Battle of the Belt. That's the very first thing I would do. And why I would do that is it's kind of like a Gato move um, from his peak years as New Japan Booker when that promotion wasn't in utter disarray like it's in at the minute. What you would do is... He would strap up Kazuchika Okada, fresh from excursion, when these things would typically take ages at the expense of the ace of the company. And you think, Jesus Christ, that one result was so seismic that I can take the very idea of an excursion seriously. So when someone came back, the young lion from an excursion, he thought, well, Okada was massive. So this guy, let's receive him as a big deal. Um, every IWGP title match that seemed a little bit unpredictable on the surface, always in the back of your mind, you had the idea of well, the strapped up Okada in the most shocking manner possible. So I can't really write off this match as a, as a dead rubber because there's always that precedent that's been set. And we pushed Zack Sabre Jr. to the moon when he won the New Japan Cup by tapping out like some big time stars. So much so that when Zack Sabre Jr. like sort of found himself in a regular upper mid-card position. You knew he probably wasn't going to reign with the IWGP title. When he got the shot, you thought, well, he's already gone all the way about a year or so ago with the New Japan Cup, so we'll have to take him seriously. I, if I was Tony Khan, would take that exact approach from Ghetto and I would book a world title switch on the first Battle of the Belts because by the time you come to watch the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, if there's a match on there where you think, I really can't see a title switch coming, in the back of your mind, you are to think, Christ, well, a precedent's there if it doesn't feel like one's going to happen. And, you know, AEW, for how great it is, they could do with more shocks. 
you've got to balance them because if you do too many shocks, it obviously goes into Vince Russo territory and they just, people become desensitized to that, which is meant to make their senses feel alive. And it's totally counterproductive to the aim. But I would do a big major world title shock switch at some point for that company. I think the best possible time to do that is because you want to convince people to watch these specials. Um, you want to instantly establish Battle of the Belts as absolutely massive, big time, must see event TV. And I would do that with a world title switch. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Let's talk a little bit about AW. Ravage! Then um, it's no AEW fuse. Let's just admit that. No, um, it isn't. But what do you think of the name? And uh, well, we'll go forward into into what you think should happen next after after you've given me your thoughts on 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 the name and the time. Friday nights from Friday the thirteenth of August. The name is, of course, heavily generic, heavily generic, but that's almost strategically so, in my opinion. I know that dynamite was. Tony Khan's um, fantasy booking idea for an episodic TV show. Stuck with them forever. Obviously had nitro connotations because they basically just wanted to do WCW, but right this time. If you look at the <laughs> energy of the show and the range of the show and like the vibe of the show, that's what they're going for. Um, no one's daft enough to not think that. Um, so Dynamite, when it was first, when you saw the first um, trademark filing, it was Tuesday night Dynamite, you thought, oh, that's generic. But at the same time, if it's not generic, it might scan as pretentious. Like if it was some kind of progress 
chapter name or something that was yeah. like so yeah. far up, up its own arse or like too clever for its own good. You're going to alienate like the, and I don't think there's anything as a casual viewer, but you're going to alienate the mainstream viewer. If you're a wrestling fan or someone who might be interested in being a wrestling fan or a wrestling fan again, like if you see something that is too pretentious for its own good, you're just going to think, oh, what's all this about? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say that they should appeal to the lowest common denominator, but you should present yourself as something that feasibly could and then allow them to make their mind up on whether they want to sort of immerse themselves in the storylines and connect the dots themselves. Just as an entry point, you don't want to alienate. You might with the complexities of the storytelling, with some of the, the comedy that people seem a little bit put off by at times. But I just think Rampage is generic as all hell. But at the same time, you don't want to get too cute with too adventurous or ambitious a name. And with Dynamite, because the show itself is so good now, that dynamite resonates as this powerful word that gets people excited. It's, it's a word that sort of evokes feelings of excitement, of anticipation, because it's been such a consistently great show that what felt lame and generic then feels now like appointment TV, that's the hottest thing. Rampage, while being generic, if they can possibly make this almost as good as dynamite, and it can't really be as good by design because you risk diluting the things, but Rampage sounds like, ah, oh, I would have come up with that when I was 14. Mm-hmm. That's a rubbish name. We'll eventually scan as, oh, Christ, Rampage is looking good this week. Yeah. Eric is a good strategic approach. You know, it's been said many a time, but like non, no show name is like brilliant, straight out of gate, especially not wrestling show names. It's just, the, you just, the you know, I Smackdown rolls off the tongue you know, very easily now. And I realize, you know, it's obviously relative to the rock and what have you, but it wasn't in our vernacular, let's say, many, many years ago. It just becomes part of it now. Uh, and I think it should have been confused, but I'm not going to get hung up on that. Uh, and intriguing as well with the the time slot, the 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, straight after SmackDown. Being very, very interested to see how that plays out in terms of, is it, you know, will it be a, a lead-in? I mean, obviously, WWE going to, have a, an overrun of about 20 minutes on first Friday, but you know what I mean? It's, you know, I don't know whether fans will, will want more wrestling off the back of SmackDown or, or what, what do you think? Um, I think Dave Meltzer reported in Friday's observer that there's a potential for WWE to add a third hour to SmackDown. That isn't necessarily broadcast on Fox. It could be on one of their affiliates or the idea being that they want to siphon viewers away from this Rampage project. And if that's pessimistic, you've quite literally been living under a rock for the past yeah. eight years, as we know that they've done this before. Um, it's savvy on the part of AEW. Um, the idea is that there's a new wrestling show, and if you just watch the main event of SmackDown, maybe the first thing you want to do is, oh, watch some wrestling, let's watch some more. Like you're in that mind frame to do it. Um But at the same time, there's so much fatigue in terms of watching so much wrestling on a weekly basis anyway that, Jesus Christ, by the time I've watched WWE, if someone said, I'll pay you £5 to watch Crockett, I would would just say no. (laughs) I love love JCP, but I I literally can't be asked to watch any more of this. So who knows? They might get undone in this obvious strategy to try and have WWE act as a lead-in. It might bite them on the arse because particularly by the week's end, like on a weekend, the last thing I can be asked with is wrestling. Like, 
Hmm. I just can't. If I'm find myself with a spare few hours on a Saturday, like I'm just gonna watch a film personally. So maybe they will come victim to the worst excesses of this content era and they will have exhausted the fans by picking this time slot. But theoretically, it's a good idea to do it at 10 o'clock. I know why they've done it. Everyone seems to know why they've done it. It's just a case of like how much wrestling is too much wrestling. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to bloody watch it if I'm in America after SmackDown. But at the same time, like I'm a core follower of this product. And I probably would be. And in fact, I definitely would be if I didn't do this job. But other people aren't as red hot on it. And other people just, there's too much content everywhere. And wrestling is a big part of that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done this quite a lot when we even heard whispers of a, an, a, an extra show being added to to AEW. But now we know it's Rampage. I mean, Matt Reigns, regular contributor. We were, I was doing a Q&A with with Nicholas uh, the other day and he was asking about what needs to be on this other show. And I thought I'd save that for you now. But yeah, what? how do you differentiate between Dynamite and Rampage and and, and Dark and Elevate, Dark Elevation? And, and, and yeah, is, is this... Well, how is this comparable to say, uh, you know, it's a SmackDown before it became two different brands? What do you reckon? Um, dark, dark elevation don't require much booking because there's very few storyline um, through lines, hmm. narrative through lines rather. Whatever promos do go on there. They just trust the guys to do it. That's half the job done for them. That's one of the reasons why I think AEW hasn't risked complete creative burnout yet, despite the fact that they are doing a lot more content. Um, keep, I would possibly consolidate those two shows. We don't need four. We're absolutely, I don't think anyone needs four. And as I said earlier in the pod, like post-pandemic touring, the idea of getting like, what, 50 indie guys in to do a taping, mm. I just think that, Dark or dark elevation aren't really long for this world. That's my inkling. So yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think, I think even the most hardcore of AW fans, like if you have, when you have Dynamite, Rampage, Dark, Dark Elevation, and to a certain extent being the elite, it's like, I don't think there's going to be many, if any, that follow it. And then, like you say, they serve a purpose now, Dark and, and Dark Elevation. But in six months, and certainly when Rampage comes to air in, in August, Fingers crossed, obviously, once we go back to relative normality, it feels less necessary, doesn't it, in terms of just putting people out there in Daly's place and just giving them the reps? Because you'll be able to do that on, you know, not necessarily house shows, but just the traveling circuit, really. Yeah, absolutely. So here's how I would do it as someone who has absolutely no experience in the field. So we'll take <laughs> it for what it's worth. With the idea being that there's two reasons I think Tony Khan is having so many indie guys on dark there's one cynical and there's one quite nice and benevolent one he legitimately cares about the industry recognizes that there's been no independence scene of which to speak at least one that operates safely for so many months well over a year now in fact that i do think apart from genuinely wants to give people work at the same time he wants to see all right okay well who's actually worth giving the big money deals to and at the same time, I'm thinking he's a very clever guy, Tony Khan. He's probably looking at this Peacock deal and thinking the more content I can produce and that I can sort of hawk to a service much like Peacock, the better, because mm. it's all about thumbnails and hours and hours and hours of streamable content these days. So I think 
there's a reason for him to continue doing dark and dark elevation, but practically, I don't know how you do it. Like the expenses of going on the road and touring and hiring venues are such that you can't possibly do both those things at the same time and run out of money. So I would consolidate them and I would keep dark because there's no indie talent theoretically to elevate if you're going to have a core base again back in the old paradigm of a, of a touring brand. So I would keep dark in much shortened form as a stat padder. And it used to function like that before yeah. the pandemic. Like I remember when Dark Order at one point, just before the world shut down, uh, Dark Order in the immediate aftermath of Revolution 2020, we're going to have a match with the Young Bucks because they were top of the rankings and all that happened on old dark. So there's no reason why you can't do something like that again. So keep it for stat padding because we like the rankings. And again, it just gives the private parties, the um, red velvets, like all of the greener, but like incredibly promising talent, mm. just more opportunity to get in that ring. That's a fundamental importance. Um, in terms of dynamite, you want to preserve the appeal of it. Like you really do by keeping the very best matches there. I'm not saying don't put bangers on Rampage, but at the same time, it's crucial that Dynamite is preserved as this sort of like must-see appointment flagship. So that feeds directly into what they should do on Rampage, and it's tricky because if they want ratings, and they do, because that equals more ad revenue, that equals continued success in the future, they are going to have to do like live matches on it. They have to. Um, because as much as we would love watching Road 2, if you look at those YouTube numbers, like they're not great. No, like yeah. people are just more interested in watching matches now. It's just the it's the way this thing operates these days. So you have to put matches on it, you have to put live matches on there because that's the best way to retain viewers. And the idea is you want to sprinkle in character developments and angles, um, because otherwise the matches become meaningless. So there's a balance to strike. But I would like to see. Elements of Road 2 incorporated into Rampage just because, one, they're awesome. Two, yeah. it deepens your investment in the characters and the storylines. And three, it just differentiates it from Dynamite, which you, which is really, that's the core flagship that if you're not as invested in AEW as most, but you'll watch Dynamite most weeks, you need that core base and you need to preserve that. So for Rampage, for me, like... With the idea is you want, A, to deepen the investment of your core base. That's always valuable. And B, you want to preserve dynamite. I would just sacrifice ratings most weeks with like character profiles to yeah. supplement the matches on Rampage. And there are certain matches that get built up and built up and built up on dynamite because they are sometimes to a fault obsessed with them long-term storytelling that you think, Oh, that was a bit anticlimactic considering how much investment they've put in this feud. Oh, and 10 minutes on Dynamite, I was expecting it to go 15. Like, that's what Rampage functions to do. Mm. And I'm not saying that AEW's this perfect, flawless TV show, so clever and intricately built that what they're actually doing, Willborne, is that they are essentially formatting Dynamite with the idea of, well, let's start doing this much stuff but rushing some of it on dynamite with the idea being we're going to get into the mode of producing three hours. And the minute we need to squash that down, yeah. right? But with Rampage being imminent, 
we'll be able to let loads more of that breathe. But if we can get into the mind of, right, if we're already in the mind of producing three hours of television, but at the minute we're squashing it down, then when that third hour comes, everything that needs to better register can. We can spend two minutes on Kazarian and Christopher Daniels yeah. like sharing a heartfelt, legitimately tearful celebration in the ring without having to do it. What I'm driving at is that I don't think they are that clever to have spotted this problem well in advance of Rampage. But maybe they have realized, right, this is how many characters we need to start booking for with three hours imminent. Let's start doing it now so we're in the mode. And even if that isn't in the case, a happy byproduct of this new sort of trend on Dynamite, this new format of, Jesus Christ, they're packing a lot into the show. <laughs> byproduct, a happy byproduct of this is that problem will resolve itself when Rampage is there. Yeah, They've exactly. clearly got too many guys and they're tre- clearly got too many storylines at the minute to the sometimes detriment of the show. Still a great show, but if you use your imagination, like it can be better. Like we've booked this, we've said, right, that would be much better had the emotional moment of SCU breaking up resonated. Um, that match would have been better served going 15 minutes considering how much people really wanted to watch it. Oh, nine, that was it. Oh, it's good, but you know, it could have been better. Mm. Rampage, in effect, resolves the one kind of nagging problem that um, AEW has right now on Dynamite. So what I'm getting at is either they're even cleverer than I thought or it could not have arrived at a better time because they're essentially doing three hours of television across two already. Uh, finally, just to put people's minds at ease regarding a brand split for AEW. <laughs> no. No. There's no possible reason to do a brand split. You could do a soft split, I guess, where maybe a trios division, which has been heavily rumoured for ages. And I think the guys who broke news of NXT's move to Tuesdays first, Matt Men podcast. I was going to say the Matt Men podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They've said that all the trios titles are happening. You all know this, but they are actually, actually happening. Like plans are afoot, belts are getting designed, et cetera, et cetera. So you could put something like that is more or less Rampage exclusive. Or you could do the TNT title on Rampage and like sort of not move it to there, that division of those guys, but like emphasize that more, that you can have more TNT title defenses on Rampage than on Dynamite, for example. Like, by all means, make someone in effect more of a Rampage guy than a Dynamite guy, but don't split the rosters. There's absolutely no point. No point whatsoever. The only reason why WWE did it in the first place is because they botched one of the best narrative possibilities ever presented to a pro wrestling company. And they thought, right, okay. Even in 2002, the game was kind of gone. Vincent Mann couldn't book. Um, so they decided, right, we need to keep this fresh. And the only way to do that is by having two different rosters across the two TV shows. Mm-hmm. Like a competent booker would not have to do that. And yeah. Tony Kong is a very competent booker. Just, I just wish we'd get brand warfare. You know, that time of the year when people start wearing different colored T-shirts. <laughs> Right, let us know your thoughts on the major AWTV developments this week on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Actually, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... I found myself repeating myself quite often there. It's because I'm rough. Um, Also because we've been speculating on this bloody extra TV show for months. 
And now it's finally happened. I'm probably echoing all points through my uh, slightly hungover brain. But, you know, I'm very clever. So this has still been a good content, I think. Right. Ah, good content. Jesus Christ, I need to go to bed. Follow me at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilbur. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, including, of course, our previews and reviews of AW Dynamite next week. Uh, it's all over the place. Go home show ahead of a huge double or nothing pay-per-view, which uh, the release schedule around that's going to be all over the bloody place. Thanks to a bank holiday here, but we will, we will review it in due course. I promise AEW fans. Uh, But for now, this has been get the table. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us and we will see you soon. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.